Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! Go to creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter and subscribe. You'll never miss an episode. Plus, you'll get access to older episodes, one through 199. But now, let's get into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, antijpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Today on the show, we have a friend of mine, illustrator, h- hilarious person, Stacy Michelson. She has a new book out called Eat This Book, Knowledge to Feed Your Appetite and Inspire Your Next Meal. And the book is gorgeous. If you are a foodie of any kind, get this book. It's fully illustrated. It's got a million fun food facts that you can throw into conversation and look like a total boffin. Yeah, that's right. I'm using British terminology because we don't have enough words. Yeah, be, be a food boffin. Go get it. Eat this book. Uh, it's such it's fantastic. Stacy is awesome. I wanted to have Stacy on the podcast for two reasons. One, I've known her for a long time. So I've known her since... I think 2009, I've been following her illustration and we've been sending, you know, illustrated goodies back and forth and conversing on the internet. But I've really got to watch her career unfold and see it explode in a massive way for two reasons that we dive into in this show. One is the power of a strategic personal project and 
also, number two, what happens when you're able to truly infuse, that's a food word, right? Stacy? I hope you're enjoying that. Infuse your creative career with who you really are. You know, not just making art about art for artists, but actually making work that embodies who you are as a person because that's what people can really sink their teeth into. These food and these food puns and, and, and jokes are just coming to me. I'm sorry. Anyway, I think this is going to be an educational thing to see what happens when you take practices like the side quest series and the creative career path that we have done on this show and put it into action to great effect. You know, she has turned her personal work into amazing published books with real publishers and, and done all kinds of other really great things along the way. Here she is. You're going to love her. Stacy Michelson. I wanted to have you on the show because you have a new book out. Will you just tell us a little bit about the book and then we're going to go backwards in time to kind of just talk about how you got to this place. But just tell us about the book. So the book is called Eat This Book yeah. by Stacey Michelson. Uh, and it's it, I like to describe it as part education, part celebration, because mm. it's basically all these things that um, I call fun food facts. And it's like, you know, one or two page spreads in the book that basically celebrate and explore and kind of tell you little histories about all these different ingredients and drinks and foods. And, you know, maybe it's your favorite food or maybe it's something you've never heard of or maybe you've seen it in the market, but it's kind of one of those things that you're like, oh, I, I feel like I see people talk about that or post that, but I wouldn't know how to cook it or what to do with it. And so I feel like I just want to make you really comfortable with ingredients and foods and also really excited, yeah. you know? So it's just like this, this fun and fun is the, you know, is on, I try to it's put that on line. every page. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not a serious book. And you're... Fun is a, and a word that I would associate with you. And energy, Thank you. that's another thing. So the book is amazing. And I Thank think you. of all of these, I, it almost feels like becoming food literate of just like you yeah. get all of the little pieces just so you kind of understand a ton about all these different foods and it really kind of gets you up to speed. And then I feel like if, you're, if you've read this, you're going to feel so much more confident talking about food, trying new foods, trying out new recipes and all that kind of stuff. And you're always making recipes with foods that I didn't know existed. That's actually yeah. <laughs> true. And it always looks amazing. But uh, I, there's a few that came to mind just as examples. Tell us a little bit about ranch dressing. Oh, God. Is this the quiz? It's not a quiz. I just, there's I, all your stuff. I, I, I don't know if ranch dressing is in the book. I think it is. Yeah, it but is. I've it seen is, you. Do, I, tell us some stuff about ranch dressing. I feel like you've got to know some of these facts. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you grew up with seeing Hidden Valley Ranch commercials on TV. That's like the popular dressing that gets kids to eat, you know, lots of things like fried foods dipped, yeah. like our pizza dipped in ranch, salads. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it actually was invented on a ranch in Southern California, like around Santa Barbara area. And it was just this thing where, you know, when everybody would come in and they'd have the nightly like meal, they would make salad with this dressing. And then people started being like, oh, that dressing is so good. I feel like the dressing popularity surpassed the like coolness of the ranch vacation. Yeah. So <laughs> then it became this thing where it was like, oh, you can get the recipe and you can, you know, uh, they'll send it. 
uh, you know, mail order ranch packet, but then you have to add your own, you know, buttermilk or mayonnaise or whatever. And then the popularity just skyrocketed when they sold it. And then all of a sudden it was like a packaged food. And then it became, you know, popular through fast food. So like learning those little histories, I feel like, you know, it's like ranch. We all know it, but like, yeah. why is it called that? I So I, I think there's always this starting point when I do these food facts of like, there's got to be interest there from from me, right? Because I don't want to write about and research something that I'm not into. But also just this thing of like, you know, when you read it, you're like, whoa, it was really from a ranch? You know, yeah. it's like, I yes. think it gives it some context and it gives it a little more, you know, coolness or excitement around it. And then the fun thing is like, you know, I think a lot of these things in the book, it's like you want to share them with people, you know, like you might want to go like, tell your your wife or your kid or your boyfriend it's like this this oh my god look what i just discovered it's like there's so much discovery in this book too yeah it's like juicy power facts that also make yeah. you interesting throw them into conversation one of the ones that i came across we we've had it in our kitchen we're just like flipping through it slowly and then kind of reading different bits at different times and one of them uh, my wife grows a lot of tomatoes and i one of the things I was interested in is like when you're looking for a, a good tomato, it says something about it being heavier than you think it should be for the size, means that it's full a ton of juice. And that's a yeah. good thing because the juice is where the flavor is. That's what your book says. Yeah. <laughs> well, then that is true. Is that true? <laughs> With that, it's so funny because I was finding a lot of similarities across the board with, say, fruits or veggies that a lot of the, the things where it's like, it'll give you a sign that it's like totally ready. You know, like yeah. when a lot of times when figs or peaches have those little like scars on the side, like they're almost like bursting open. It's yeah. basically like, pick me, you know, it's like, and then when something's really heavy for its, you know, like if you pick up a tomato and it feels really heavy and you were thinking like, wow, this should be lighter. It's like, yeah, that baby's probably ready for you to, you know, slice open. Another one, and then we can move on to the story. I feel like my education around MSG originally came mm. from some of your stuff. Tell, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I think, okay, so that also is related to the whole ranch thing because I think MSG has just, you know, there's a very, like it basically has this racist history of, you know, people saying like, oh, it makes me sick, it's in Chinese food. And it's just this thing where it's like, okay, so how about you know, like everybody that eats it in Asia, like, are they, do they have headaches or, you know, yeah. it's like, and then also the whole thing of people basically saying or thinking that MSG is associated with Chinese food, but not realizing that Hidden Valley Ranch, our old buddy ranch yeah. has MSG in it. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. like that and Cool Ranch Doritos and a lot of, you know, canned soups and processed foods, you know, that we are so familiar with here in the United States. And it's like those things all, like all those addictive, amazing things, they have MSG in them, but they do not have any, you know, bad reputation associated with them. Or, yeah, or any, like there's all this bias against it and yeah. it all came from these kind of racist ideas. And uh, I, so this is why I bring all of those different examples up is I feel like it gives a good example of, the kind of food literacy and knowledge around food that just kind of broadens the way that you think about food, makes mm -hmm. you a little bit uh, more aware of all these different 
even just like blind spots that you might have around food that you don't realize you have. So it's, yeah, I, and it's just super juicy. It's just a bunch of little things. You're like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And then you're constantly, again, telling people. It's giving you stuff to go tell people. Um, so yeah, I love it. I think it's really cool. And I was going to say, I think the thing, I don't even know if you mentioned it yet, but the whole thing is fully illustrated and hand-drawn. So, yes. so it's not this, you know, I mean... I think me and you both have this attention span thing where it's like, yeah. if somebody sends you a two-page article on MSG, like you'd be like, oh, cool, I'm going to read that. You probably won't get around to it. You know, like I wouldn't either. But if there's this drawing of like, you know, the famous um, bag of MSG that you see at all the supermarkets and then all the graphics on there, like I kind of do this spin. I was trying to think of a way to describe it. And it's like, if Weird Al was an illustrator <laughs> and, you know, like basically to, yeah, right? You are Weird Al like, as an illustrator. I like that. <laughs> I like Weird Al. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but just that thing where it's like, you know, you, you take something, you're trying to get somebody's attention, right? So it's like you have to use this or I have to use this fun graphic element that then pulls you in and then will, you know, make you read the facts around it. So then it's not just this story that's posted on a blog or, you know. Yeah. And actually I want to get into at the, later, I want to talk about illustration and what you learned about yourself as an illustrator as you're making all this stuff, but also like what the use of illustration really is. Like, what does it bring to the table with the, when you're doing a project of this size, I feel like you're going to get into learning about why putting a picture on there, all the reasons why that's interesting. But we'll get to that. I want to get to that okay, in a sorry. little bit. No, don't be sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's just a teaser. That's perfect. You just segged it. You yeah. just like set that all up. Um, so we're going to get to that. But uh, before we do, I want to talk about how, yes, we are all we've basically talked about is food. We barely mentioned that it was fully illustrated, but you are, you're an illustrator, not a food expert. And so what I wanted to necessarily, you know, you don't have any official titles around food. So my question is, is how did you, how did food become such a big part of your illustration practice? And then, and, and we'll get to maybe some of the projects, but more specifically, I think a lot of illustrators, a lot of creatives of all kinds have a hard time, you know, identifying part of their identity that they're willing to like go down the rabbit hole and be like, you know what? Food is one of my things. You know, for me, it was dreams, pizza, hero's journey, but all those things, there's a bunch, there's a few others. All those things were things that I, it was hard to pick and really own any of those things because you feel like, ah, oh, I'm so much more. I have so many other things. At the very start, when you started exploring food with illustration, how did you get comfortable with being like, I think this is going to be one of my things? Well, I think it's just always been one of my things. <laughs> but did you always connect it to illustration? So I've always just drawn, right? But I've always been very attracted to, you know, like food in my house, like my, my family was in the produce business. So there was just all, all sorts of, all sorts of foods coming in and out of the house. But then my, my best friends were Taiwanese and Japanese. So I was always seeing cool stuff at their house. And so then the Japanese food and, uh, packaging, I think is really where I started making this connection of, oh my gosh, that's so cute. 
or like, yeah. look at that little plum on that package or look at that cracker or that shrimp chip. And like everything was, you know, personified and, and, and like, you know, had this, you know, um, personality and it was very attractive on, on the shelf and then in, in their cupboards. And so it just became this thing. Like I, I started noticing that you could use, and this is when I'm like a kid, like a teenager. Right. But it's like, I started noticing that I was really attracted to um, fun packaging and packaging with, you know, and for food, but that was different than the stuff that we had in my cupboard, you know, that my mom would buy. It's like, maybe you see a little logo and whatever, but, but seeing art used in this way on food packaging was really fun. So then yeah. I always just started, like I went to Japan and I just got like, you know, my mind was just blown by all the yeah. stuff. I think I packed an extra suitcase just to bring home a bunch of things. And my yeah. friend was like, oh yeah, you can have two suitcases. And like one was just all stuff I bought and one was close. But, uh, <laughs> but so, you know, so you come back with all these ideas and you're exposed to these things. And I feel like, yeah, Food for me just became, because I was into it and I liked trying new foods and discovering things, I think the art element just kind of seeped into how I drew. So if I was drawing in my sketchbook, I'm drawing, you know, an avocado or a chip or I'm drawing noodles and then maybe that has a face or, and then, you know, that leads to when I got my first restaurant job. And I was the person that knew how to draw or they liked, you know, like, hey, Stace, you can do bubble letters. Like, will you write the menu board? Or like, we have a shake special. Will you do the sign? So then that was an opportunity to just be like, oh, like, let's make this burrito cool. And like, oh, these two chips are high-fiving. And like, you know, then I saw that you could sell, you know, people would buy the shake because they were like, that sign is so funny. And then it was just this whole thing where it's like food, like that's my interest. That became, you know, one of my important jobs in my life. I worked at a few restaurants and I was always that person who would just kind of be drawing and then they'd get me to draw something or I was creative so I could like, hey, like instead of just having a kid's menu that says the name of your restaurant, like let's draw these, you know, different things and draw these foods and they can color it. And so I was always bringing that kind of like creativity and imagination around food and art together. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. But when, and when we, cause we've known each other online at least for a long time, right? Like you, mm -hmm. like you sent me some kind of llama thing. Magnet. Yeah. Magnet. Yeah. When, when do you think that would have been? Gosh, like seven years ago. Yeah. I feel like it might've been longer. Like 2013 that. maybe. Yeah. That's at yes. least eight years or, ago. You sent me postcards when you were in England, like forever yeah. ago. Cause I was just <laughs> like, Oh, this cool illustrator. You were like, yeah. free postcards. And I was like, me, please. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It was for my blog. That was, that must have, that was before 2010. Yeah. So it was I a mean, long time ago. And at that time when you're doing the llama magnets, was food already a part of your illustration practice then? No. So I, well, I mean, yes, but it wasn't what I was, what was becoming my brand. So I had start, I started, um, you know, a company, like I was, I was always, you know, in bands and working at restaurants. And it was kind of like, you know, restaurant job is just the easy thing. It's like you work at night, it's an easy schedule, it's great pay. So you can do all your creative stuff. But I was always designing, you know, all like the flyers and the, the CDs and the t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. So I had this and I grew up um, learning how to screen print at my high school. We had a very artsy high school. So it's like I had all these elements that I would always um, bring into my art to make it into a product. 
you know? Yeah. So then I just thought like, oh, like some of my friends were always just like, you need to sell your shirts or you need to sell this stuff. So I started a brand that was some t-shirts and some, um, some prints and some pins, but they weren't, they were character based. They weren't food based. But then I think the, the thing that made me realize like, oh, the stuff that I like doing at the restaurant or in my sketchbook, people are really attracted to because once I started making like, you know, a pouch with coffee on it or a little pin that had, you know, it was a boba pin with matcha. It's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden it just blew up. And I thought, Oh, so people like the same stuff. Like they love seeing their favorite drink on a pin and they'll buy it. And that's like what I just love to draw. Anyways, I don't have to come up with this, you know, llama character. Or I have this cactus character. It's like, I kind of, I, you know, it was kind of that light bulb thing. It's like, okay, the sales, the, the sales are showing me that the food stuff is more popular than the stuff that I thought was going to be like cute and unique because, you know. Food fans are just food fans. And then I was able to just marry those things and then be like, okay, I'm going to just look at the data and focus on the things that are selling. And hey, that happens to be the thing I like the most. It reminds me of at some point in my just everyday life, I realized that if I'm trying to be funny, it's not very funny. But <laughs> if I'm not trying at all and I'm just... Uh, the, the the thing that always comes to mind, I don't know why, it's so dumb, it's not even that funny, but is that like I was at the, when I'm at the eye doctor and they move this arm of a machine and it sounds like Chewbacca and I just, that's what I thought and I just have learned to be like, and then don't filter it. Just say it. It doesn't matter if you're at the eye doctor. Eye doctor, and they'll just think, either they'll think you're a weirdo and you're not my kind of weirdo or they're going to laugh. And <laughs> yeah. and I just think there's something about the ease of just being yourself rather than trying to be something interesting, just being that uh, is a, such a hard lesson for so many creative people there. I think there's just a part of it where it's like, you're, it's like the fish and water thing where they're, you know, the science scientist fish is like, I discovered water and all the fish are like, Whoa, we can't wait to see it. They're like you're in it, man. That that's what your being you is like, you know what I mean? And so it's just interesting that you had this whole history of from when you were a kid doing all this stuff around food, but you didn't make that a part of your illustration brand or in such a massive way until you know, until you've had that kind of light bulb moment. Yeah, and I think a lot of times like that's totally true what you say about, you know, the, when you're just yourself, like, I feel like that's, what's so fun about like Instagram, like, and stories and that stuff. It's like, when you're just yourself, it's like the people that are, that are going to be drawn in will be drawn in. Um, but I also think a lot of times as an artist, you have so many interests. So it's like, even when I said, like, I was working at restaurants, I was playing in bands, I was doing all these, you know, like you're doing merch, you're doing all this stuff. It's like, a lot of times you have to try out all these things and then they all kind of come together. Like now I see in my career, it's like, oh, all those things are so important for making this book happen or making, you know, Instagram a fun place or, you know, it's yeah. just all these, these little parts of you come together. And I feel, I feel like you start to learn, like, as you said, you, when you get older, you start to learn that um, the, the stuff that filters to the top is like the most true to you. And also if you're so excited about it, I think people can really, uh, feel that. Yeah. They're attracted to en genuine enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And I think something that I, I felt like when I was 
in college and I was younger, there was all these people, all these teachers in my life saying, you got to put yourself in the work. And I felt like, I don't know who I am. I didn't even know that I didn't know who I was. I just had a sense of like, I don't know how to do that. And I think that there is a piece of it. I was just watching this uh, little video from uh, Taika Watiti uh, about how he, he was just saying that he didn't get into filmmaking until he was in his 30s. And whenever he's giving advice to creative people, he's like, you got to go live a little bit. And it, it just makes me feel like if you want your art to feel alive, you're going to have to have some life. You're going to have to go through some things, try things, have all these different interests other than illustration. Totally. So tell us, tell us about how the projects came along with food. Just tell us about um, the few personal projects you had going all the way back. I think the 100 Day Project was the second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, what was the first one? So the first one, so I mentioned restaurants. So I worked at a restaurant for a long time that was awesome and really influential and, you know, really helped with a lot of these ingredients in here that are more global ingredients. Uh, yeah, I was exposed to those and learned a lot about those and really, you know, upped my cooking game, learning from, I was front of the house, but I was watching all the cooks and I was friends with those guys. But, uh, but so when the restaurant closed, it was, I believe it closed in 2016. And I had, you know, always, I had my brand still and I was doing stuff, um, on the side, but I thought, okay, this is an opportunity. Like if I'm going to, you know, succeed in a creative career, like I have to put myself out there. Like how would, how the heck would anybody know that I love drawing food? Right. So it's like, it, nowadays we have all these things like YouTube and Instagram where you can be a nobody and get attention possibly from, you know, the top. So I came up with this project and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give myself an assignment. My favorite podcast, I love your podcast, Andy, but my favorite food podcast, <laughs> my favorite Can you imagine food. if I want, can you imagine if that was the thought that I had? It oh, was God. absolutely not. My favorite you're like, po- what? <laughs> you're and it's not <laughs> You're like, and you're cutting out. You're cutting out here you stay. Okay. So so no, so my favorite food podcast is um is here in LA and it's this cool radio station called KCRW and they have this show called Good Food. And I'd yeah. listen every Saturday morning and I just thought, you know, I'm always taking notes. But when I take notes, I, I do them in my sketchbook and I draw, right? So if they're talking about yeah. like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. This is how you, you know, these types of dates and, and this is how this works or how to cook with sweet potatoes. I'm drawing little notes in my sketchbook. So it gave me the idea of, okay, my assignment this year will be, and I, I made it real because I stuck it on Instagram. Like once you, once you say something like publicly, I feel like you have to do it. So I wrote like that first weekend, I was like, okay, every weekend – this year, I'm going to illustrate, you know, do these like, you know, um, drawn notes, like kind of like this, this drawn journalism. I'm going to do that in my sketchbook and I'm going to post it like every week. Like that's going to be cool. And I feel like, you know, it was a little bit uh, nerve wracking to, I was already doing it, but I thought like, okay, now I got to up my game and I've got to color it in. But I started posting them. And then what was fun is I started tagging the producer and the radio station and the host but then if they'd have different guests on, which they always did, I would tag those people and draw, you know, when I draw their little segment. And I feel like there's just, there was some magic in that. And this was 2017. So it's like, you know, we were all starting to, to get on Instagram at that point. But 
But a lot of those people would be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I was on a radio show. I never thought of it visually, but this is, this is fun content for my Instagram. So they would repost it. And then the host started being like, oh my God, Cece Michelson, this is awesome. Like, because, you know, they work on these shows, like you probably do it too. It's like you work so hard on getting a show out and then, you know, people like it and listen to it, but then to see it in this way of like, wow, you kind of brought it to life visually. And I think a lot of people who maybe didn't know the show existed that just followed me that liked food or liked art, I think it opened their eyes up to like, oh, wow, that is a useful tip about, you know, when you go to the farmer's market and you, you buy a bunch of beets to cut the tops off, you know, like just like these random things that I was just drawing and putting into the art. And I feel like that was kind of the beginning of this whole like illustrated food journalism thing that I love so much where it's like diving deep in these things, telling stories through art. And so I posted those for a few months and then all of a sudden they were like, do you want to be on our show? And I was like, what? <laughs> so I was on the show and then I ended up designing merch for them for their fun drive. And it was like a super popular tote bag of these, you know, veggies that spelled out good food. And it just be, it just kind of snowballed into this thing where then by the end of that year, I was like, judging a pie contest that they have and their annual pie contest. And I was like part of the, the team because yeah. they didn't have like that artist person working with them, you know? So it's like, I kind of just created this little um, spot for myself and then local restaurants and people started kind of picking up on that. Like, Oh, you're the girl who draws for good food. Like, do you want to design this gift certificate for us? Do you want to design this, this tote for me? So that, that was super cool. And that was, the first project, but then I needed more. <laughs> I just want to highlight that there's this really interesting shift that I feel a lot of creatives get, uh, that creatives don't make and they get stuck in a rut of their own industry in their own little world. And it, there's this thing that happens where we get so obsessed with being an illustrator or being a designer or a musician or whatever, whatever you are. And we, we think, oh, okay, in that world, I'll be the one who draws food. I'll be the illustrator who draws food. And that'll set me apart in this world. But there's also this whole other different route that's maybe more relevant and interesting, at least to me. Like I, I've, I remember Frank Camaro saying, uh, you know, designing for just designers is just like the worst <laughs> rut to get in. And uh, this reminds me that like – you then became the foodie that illustrates. Is that yeah. now you're now you're brought together? You're not in the illustration world, and you're the one that has a food thing. You're and you do that too, I'm sure. But you're now you're in the food world, and you're bringing something useful to the table to people who actually need it. The thing is that skill. I actually feel like there's this thing that can happen where you get less precious about. The more you kind of own your skill and you own your your craft, at some point you're like, I don't care about illustration like anymore. It's not like that's not the thing I'm passionate about. But I do have this skill, and now you're going to a group of people that actually need that skill, and now you're like uniquely useful in a whole different world that actually need it. Rather than when you're in the illustration world, everybody's like selling their illustration. We're like, yeah, we're all how we can all draw. Okay. Nobody yeah. needs any of you. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and going off of what you said too, I mean, I think that's, 
that's this thing that is so competitive with any industry, right? It's like, I will be the first person to say, I think people can draw way better than me. Right. But I, I do me think too. like what you were saying, it's like I bring something different to that world because I am this food obsessed person that's also really knowledgeable. You know, it's like all the years in restaurants that I had, it's like I saw so many things that, that are just stuck in my brain now. So if, if somebody went to, to a regular illustrator and regular, sorry, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. But if somebody <laughs> went to just the average illustrator and they were like, oh, draw this thing and I'm going to, you know, it's like this scene from my kitchen and this guy's cooking. It's like in my brain, I'm like, okay, I know what mats are on the floor. I know what kind of cutting board they're going to have. I know what the pans look like. It's like I have all this knowledge in my brain that I can piece it together where it feels really um, correct. You know, it's yes. like so if, if a chef sees it, they're like, oh, yeah, that totally looks like that. Where, you know, it's like I always would see this growing up where it's like somebody will draw somebody playing a guitar and it's like, oh, are they a lefty? Like they drew it on the wrong side or they didn't yeah. do enough tuning, you know, things at the top, if there's not enough strings, it's like you notice those things when you're in that world. So I think the the knowledge of being, you know, somebody that has just been in that food world and loves that world, I think I can kind of illustrate it in a different way that, that makes it feel um, real. Yes. And that there's this thing that happens where when that accuracy isn't there, we can't suspend our disbelief. It's like I was watching some sci-fi movie recently and they said they were on a computer and they said mainframe. And I thought anybody that put mainframe, like I'm hacking into the mainframe. I'm like, that's the most cliche thing that doesn't mean anything. And now all of a sudden I'm totally, my, my disbelief is not able to suspend because of this stupid, like crappy uh, word choice that feels so nonspecific and not, nothing based in reality. And I think there's also that element of in the specific lies the universal of once you get really specific and it's actually accurate, it's not just a house or any random like symbol of a house, but it's an actual house and an actual kitchen with actual mats. There's something about that that feels so much more alive. Yeah. And I think too, like with your, with that project. So that was in 2017. So I spent like every week doing that and, you know, I'd post them and it was really fun. And then I, I feel like I was driving to Palm Springs or something for a wedding and I was listening to your podcast and you had just come out in 2018 with your little uh, workbook, you know, yeah. your yeah. creative career path. And you were like, <laughs> yes. find the industry you're really into. And then zero in on that. And then what do you do? And use those skills. And I just kept listening, being like, oh, that's, I, I did that. Like, that was the thing. Like it works. Like, so everybody, Andy's thing, it works. <laughs> yeah. You did it intuitively. So that well done on that part. And then you did, uh, another project on food that became the hundred day project. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, also, so, also, yeah. yeah. So are we talking about that right now? Well, I was going to go to the, cause you did the the weekly one, and then there was a 100-day one, right? Well, the 100-day is the thing that started as and then became my book. Okay. Well, tell us about that. Tell us about that. So, again, listening to my favorite podcast, Creative Pep Talk. Uh, <laughs> and That's more like it. My favorite art Gosh. podcast. Uh, okay. But, yeah. Uh, and you, were, you had those girls on from the 100-day project. Yeah. Um, and so you were talking about picking something you like, and, and we were all going to start it on, in, like, maybe April or May or something. And so then I thought, oh, I want another project 
And every time too, like with these things, I got a little bit more into my industry, but in my brain, yeah. I was still thinking like, how do I get Martha Stewart to know I exist? Like, how do I get food magazines to know I exist? Because like within Instagram, there's this community, this food community, but, but still just like putting more work out there and putting out the work that you want to get hired for is, you know, just something that everybody says to do, right? It's like, so I just create these projects on my own because I think this is the stuff I want somebody to see and then say, will you do this for us? Will you do this for our, you know, uh, newspaper or whatever? So I thought, okay, well, my 100-day project will be more deep dive stuff on foods and it will be, you know, it became my book, but it, it will be, you know, I'll pick something every day and I'll spend an hour in the morning and I'll just like draw some fun facts or some useful tips and it'll be, you know, things that I'm interested in or maybe something that I remember from my restaurant days that people never knew how to approach, like an artichoke. Like so many people don't know how to eat artichokes. I just can't even tell you. So yeah. do you? Not really. I mean, I know how to eat them, but I don't know how to prepare them. Okay. Well, we're going to have to. Like if somebody a... else prepares it, I know how to <laughs> eat well, it. Well, and I do I, like them. But I'm telling you when I would drop that off at a table as a server and come back to pick up the the plate that would have the leaves that somebody scraped with their teeth, they have chewed up the whole thing and then spit out these little clumps. So Oh, I'm, I know. I don't know how to eat it. I know it like <laughs> when it's fully prepared and you like put artichoke on pizza. I can just oh, eat that. Okay. I don't know. Um, there's. I never have this situation. Uh, Tell me okay, about that. Okay, that's hearts. Okay. So, anyways, yeah. So, <laughs> okay. so anyway, so knowing, so knowing from my brain of like, oh yeah, I should explore artichokes, or I should, you know, write these things down. I knew I wanted to do MSG because I had, you know, read a bunch of stuff about it and seen it on a TV show and was just like, oh my god, like, why does everybody hate this thing so much? So I had this list. So I started doing those, but then as I posted them on Instagram, I realized. These are more important than just spending an hour every morning and, and drawing a few fun facts about this, right? So it's like yeah. I created my own hashtag, which I think is very important for people if you're doing something that you want people to, um, to say, go back and look at your whole collection. So I did hashtag 100 days of fun food facts so that, that everything could kind of be, you know, in this folder together. And I did that for the Good Food Project, too, which I think is important. Like, that one was like, Stacy Draws Good Food, 2017, so that everybody could kind of, like, find that. Once you find one, it's like, whoa, there's more of these, and you can kind of, you know, so I think the hashtag kind of files everything in a really yeah, nice way. Tip. Um, tip for all, everybody out there. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so then <laughs> when I started realizing that people really were commenting on these or they were sharing them on Instagram, you know, like, oh, my God, I just posted this on my on my feed or like, you know, I was seeing that it was kind of picking up steam and I thought, you know, I'm spending a little bit longer every day. You know, I started asking people on Instagram, like, hey, what do you want me to explore? Because basically it's just this thing of like, I'm doing all the research and the filtering and then presenting it in this way, but I don't want it to just be for me. You know, like I want to be interested, but I want it to be valuable for and useful for you. So, so anyway, so then people started you know, DMing me and sending me things like, will you do this? Will you do that? Will you do liquid smoke? Will you do, you know, they're naming all these things. So it's like, oh my God, before you knew it, my 100, you know, list was 150 and I was filtering it down and talking to friends. And then I just started getting excited. Like, this is a really cool project. And I started spending, you know, trying to impress myself even more with the, you know, say like the packaging or the way I'm presenting things like the labels, kind of doing that zany thing where it's like, you know, I'll switch a label up with the text on a, on a recognizable 
you know, say bottle of soy sauce, but you're flipping the, the graphics to say something or spell out something different. So anyways, I started posting those um, and people loved them. And then next thing you know, this publisher like slid into my DMs and was like, hey, have you ever thought about making a book? And in my brain, it's like I knew that this could be something big, but I thought from my like, you know, DIY, you know, I'm a printmaker, I'm like, you know, do all these things. Like I couldn't do it justice. Like I couldn't make a book the way that I would want to make a book, but I would need a publisher to do it for me, to do it right. You know, it's like, I don't want this to be a, a spiral bound thing that I'm selling on my Etsy, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, so then that really got the whole, the whole, um, thing into focus of like, Oh, this could be, this could be an actual cool thing. Like once I got the attention, you know? So uh, there's two tips that I think are interesting out of that. One is, uh, that, uh, you, I, one of the things I see a lot of creators that hit a, uh, like a, a bigger break, they have this pattern of getting rid of the barrier between the creator and the audience. If there's a way of, if you actually, if you're tailored, if your work is tailored to the people that you actually like and want to spend time with, you're actually, and have conversations with, and you, you will be okay with inviting them into the creative process. And so that's something that, you know, Morgan Harper Nichols does this really well, where all of her stuff there's just this clear life cycle. There's this thing, if a creator is always just giving, 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 and it's always just coming from inside them, it's pretty easy to be like, uh, to go empty on that. But if part of your inspiration is actually your community and they're actually giving you ideas like like you, you did there, not only are you getting all these prompts, but they're also getting more invested in it. They're more likely to share it with people. They're, you know, there's just this, and it doesn't feel so hierarchical where you're the artist doing stuff and then they're the consumers and stay in your spot. And I think that, that that's a really uh, important takeaway. Well, yeah, and I think too with that, with people getting invested or feeling like, you know, there's so much of, like it, it really is, you know, it's a small thing, but like even when you write somebody back on a comment, you know, like, I'm not a famous person, but like when I write back something, it's like somebody's like, oh my God, you know, like it just feels like this, this, thing. or like you did the, you did the item that I, when I suggested it, like, I can't believe you did mangoes. Like that's the one I wanted. Or, you know, it's like that kind of thing is so cool because I always just think too, like a fan, because I'm a fan of so many, you know, people from, you know, food world to music world to art world. And it's like, when, when you can get on this, you know, when you can have a conversation with them or you just even feel like you're seen or they listened to you or took your advice or something, it's like, it's so, uh, important for that relationship. And then I feel like it's, it, you know, with me personally, it's like, I'll do this with other people. It's like, then I just become, yeah, like a super fan. Then I'm just like, oh my gosh, like whatever you put out, if I think you're cool and I like the stuff you, you do, like the next thing you put out, like, I'm just going to buy it. You know, it's like you just be, or, or we have a new podcast or we have a new show. It's like, then you are just like, oh yeah, those are my people. Like those are the ones that I like. So I always try to include 
other people, especially with Instagram, it's so easy. You can be talking to somebody in England or, you know, Mexico, and it's like they're suggesting something, and it's like, yeah, I totally want to do that. And then also the community thing on Instagram, I think I love so much because especially when I was doing, you know, the book and I wanted everything, you know, it's not just living on, you know, Instagram where you could delete it in a second if something, if somebody's like, oh, that's totally wrong. It's like, oops, you can just like delete it. But in a book, it's permanent. So it's like, I feel like I was surrounded by a lot of people that I don't know personally that just kind of became these amazing players in my book where I would just say like, can I run something by you? Like, is this how you would say this in Korean? Or like, can I show you this like drawing? Like it's for this project coming up, but like, I just want to make sure this is accurate. And a lot of times it was, and I had done my research well, and I feel like really proud of that. But then other times somebody would be like, yeah, actually, you want to say it this way because the way you said it could mean a few things. So I think that's so important. And I just love that, you know, Instagram exists. And I, I know a lot of social media exists in that way, but it's like my community is more Instagram because it's all, you know, the visual stuff. But, but yeah. So the second kind of tip that comes out of all of this stuff that you're talking about for me is, you're doing a really good job of working from the top of your intelligence, which is like an improv rule where they say, you know, if your dad was a doctor, like a neurosurgeon, when you show up to the scene, maybe be a neurosurgeon because you have all of this random information that you're pulling from that's accurate and interesting and making you different. And so that's working from the top of your intelligence. And so this, this idea that like an illustrator who had all this experience in kitchens and had a, this experience with neighbors and friends that had all these other kinds of foods that other kids don't even know about, that's the stuff that you want to work from. And so I feel like there's a good takeaway for people from creators, whether you're, you know, musicians can do the same thing, whether you're, you know, if you're writing a story or the topics that you're putting in, I feel like as creators, we get real into adjectives, like descriptive things. And we get into like the feeling of a thing, but we forget that like, you need some meat, you need like topics and like things to talk about. And you, and they don't even have to be like, you could write, do you ever hear about that, uh, the book where the crawdads sing? I never read it, but it was mm. one of Sophie's favorites. Title sounds familiar, but that's all I got. Well, it's a, it's like a best-selling <laughs> book and it's, it kind of had a moment, but she was someone who had a background in science before she ever wrote any books. And she filtered all of that stuff into making really descriptive things about all the animals in the book. And it brought all this richness to the work. And so sometimes I'll meet someone and they'll be like, well, I used to be an architect, but now I want to be, uh, you know, a dance instructor. And I'm like, what are the ways that you can synthesize that stuff? Because that's going to, that's going to be what makes your stuff way more rich and very different to other uh, dance instructors. <laughs> yeah. And I think all those things, I mean, you know, when you talk about like past, past jobs and, and interests and things that you love to doing as a kid, I think all those things, you know, once you start developing your style, it's like, and then also just being into something, you know, it's like, I mean, I think you've talked about this before, but it's like, it's really hard to, to, do projects when you're not into it or it's not for something you believe in. I think it just it's it's so much more fun for the people to see when you're just like super into it. And also yes. I think the thing, you know, talking about all the, you know, these things that I grew up being uh, exposed to, 
it's like that's part of it. But also the thing that I think is is fun about this book and my work is just like this sense of humor and this energy. Like kind of you mentioned it earlier, but it's like that's always something like my whole life. People are always just like, oh, my God, you are so hyper. It's like, am I? It's like, you know, or like, or like, man, how do I get like that? It's like, what do you eat in the morning? It's like, uh, I don't think it has to do with that. Like, I think, you know, but but so I think putting that kind of like injecting that into my work, I think that makes it, you know, fun or different. And I think a lot of people, especially artists, I mean, and musicians too, but it's like, I think you, you're trying to be like these people that you think are cool or do this thing that you think maybe like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be drawing this serious, like in the book I have, you know, the page on vanilla, but then at the very bottom, there's like a little talk bubble that says, ever smell the beaver's butt? It smells like vanilla because they used to use, they used what? yeah, they used to use, you know, like this slime from a beaver to be this vanilla flavoring and it's just it's so crazy but I thought like you know like when I'm doing my book I'm like is this too much and I'm just like no because this is funny and also this might make you know like your little eight-year-old laugh or this might be the thing that then makes somebody interested or gets their attention you know so I think putting all those putting like all of you in your work is something that I definitely do. And I think it's a, you know, I think it's worked out really, really good because I think if somebody, you know, meets me or even like when I met you, it's like, you're just what I thought you would be. You know, it's like, it's the worst when you meet somebody who's just like, <laughs> yeah. wow, they are not like, <laughs> they seem online at all. It's like, it's so good to be authentic and then just not be, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like when I was starting out, I would, I had so many of my favorite, um, I think I had a taste for like skater culture because I grew up, my br older brother was obsessed with hip hop. And so I listened to tons of hip hop. Uh, and there's something about the way that that fused with alternative culture in skating culture as an, as a viewer, but I never I never skate. I don't even know how to say. I never skated. I was never a skater. I don't you know. I never did that. But I would watch some of my. A lot of my heroes were part of that culture. And I think the 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 initial takeaway that is completely wrong is, oh, what makes them cool? What makes their work cool is it's about skate culture. But what actually makes it cool is that it was authentic to them. Like that's what made it cool. And it's so dumb. But one of my biggest breakthroughs was calling myself Andy J pizza because I, that's so genuine to me. I'm such a goofball and I absolutely, I have actually like a problem with how much I like pizza and it's equivalent. And it's also pizza's very like maximal, which is very me, like top energy, like the, the high part of life. And, but it, that was a huge thing for me where I was like, all of my heroes would think that was the dumbest thing in the world. Like that, that would not be cool. Yeah. And I think too, with, with that or with like the humor example, or like when somebody is, you know, really artsy and really, it's like it, then you just associate with that or associate that with them. And I feel like, you know, it's nice to, to like really know what somebody is, you know, it's not, it's yes. not like a surprise, like, oh, they're really like this, like when they go home or, or their art 
is so serious, but they're like so funny in real life. Like that is, this just doesn't make sense to me, you know? Yeah. There's a, even just, there is just also a world building kind of thing where you're associating, oh, that person draws buildings. Their dad was an architect and they're, and, and there's just something about like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now I feel like I know them. And it's not so much about what you're associating them with. It's just that you have associations, that you have a sense of who they are and they feel like a three-dimensional person. Um, one, one question I had was, and I think this is the last question, um, is uh, what have you learned about the utility of illustration, of, of your skill, as you've gone and made all of these drawings, you've made them for food people, you've made them, uh, you've really had to use illustration as a tool rather than just like, oh, this is a style thing or fashion or whatever. It's just trying to look cool. Like, what what is illustration good at doing that a book of text wouldn't have have done justice to your ideas? Does that make sense? Like, how do I use illustration to tell these stories, basically? Well, also just like it having illustration in it, why is that better? And have you, as I'm assuming as you're making stuff, as you're kind of writing with pictures... You're just noticing like the benefit of illustration. You're getting to know what illustration is capable of and why we would use it opposed to not having it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think the thing with uh with my drawings and why I think, you know, the book is is it, I mean, it's only been out for like a week and a half, but I feel like it's it's already just kind of like like become this thing where it's like like, you know, people keep saying like, how, how did we live without this book before? I mean, that sounds yeah. really big. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> It's true. It, this book is a thing that is where you're like, it's the, like great things is a thing where you're like, how is this not already, how does this not exist? Yeah. It doesn't like make I, any sense. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think I'm the first person to ever do a fun, um, you know, drawing of, of something with food to teach you something. But I think the way that I do it, the way that I tell stories, like I think all the things, like if you, if you talk about like all the, the jobs I've had and all the interests and hobbies, it's like, they're all kind of these storytelling things that I love. And I personally love telling a story. I don't know if you can tell mm -hmm. by this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I love telling a story, but I think using art, like using the skills that I have, from the artistic side and then from all the knowledge side, I feel like it just illust like an illustrated book. Like I wouldn't, there's no way I would just write a book on food. Like I would have to draw a book on food. You know, it's like, it has to be for me to like it and for me to do it. It has to be this thing that like, Oh my God, you see it. And I have your attention. And then you want to dive into this drawing. So it's like, it's got to grab you and it's got, you know, and then I love that thing where it's like, there's fun, like it's celebrating this thing, but it's also kind of like the side effect is it's teaching you something, you know, like I feel like it'll be interesting with your family. It's like what everybody kind of picks up on, or I'm already hearing like kids are stealing their parents' books, you know, like, oh my God, my daughter just grabbed it and she's like in the corner for an hour now. But it's like, it, I think there's something about it that's kind of this magical little mix of I'm telling these stories that I think are fun and important and also really, you know, have a lot of useful things in them. But I'm presenting in, in this way that feels like it's entertainment. Like it's like, you know, you're, you're looking at this. I feel like, you know, I mean, look at kids' books and they're all drawings, but it's like, 
adults love comics, not me personally, but it's like, it's just this thing where it's like, there's something about telling stories through art that I think I can do really well, but especially with food, like it hasn't been done before in this way. That's so fun too. It's like, you know, this could have been a very serious textbook. I wouldn't have written it, but it, (laughs) you know. And you probably wouldn't have read it. And I wouldn't have read it. Yeah. But, but it's like, I feel like there's something about, uh, you know, this, this way that I've developed this style where it's like, I can tell you this story and you can, you can also pick up this book and just open to any page and look at something. And I feel like you're just like, wow, that's cool. Or you can, you know, stick it next to your cookbooks and pull it out when you're like, you know what, I just bought this and I don't know how to prep this kale. Or, you know, it's just like these things where it's like, I feel like it's this mix of, you know, stories and tips and history and little nutrition facts. And I don't know, I just combine all the things that I feel like, like in my brain that I think are cool and important and fun. And I just want to show you them instead of, you know, write them down for you. Like, it's like, you know, I, I think you can learn a lot better, you know, visually than just reading something. Maybe not everybody, but. But I also, yeah, it sounds like, uh, what I hear you saying is it's like a spoonful of sugar. It's like for the, for the medicine and it makes it accessible. It makes this kind of food literacy accessible. And it makes it something that feels instant. It's so much quicker when you when you don't have to start reading. You're like, what food is this about? You're like, no, there's a huge title. The p- picture shows you. You're, you're instantly able to, you know, food is so visual anyway. You're instantly to, uh, able to pair these facts with foods that maybe you've never seen before. But then next time you go to the grocery store, you're going to see that food. And then you're going to know what it is. So you're just like... Making it with pictures eliminates so many barriers. It makes it so much quicker and so much more enjoyable to learn something that does ultimately seem pretty intimidating. I think as soon as you start feeling like, oh, I I like food, and then you go into a room or listen to a podcast or whatever, and you start hearing people that actually like food and know food, you're instantly like, I guess food's not my thing. I don't know anything about food. Well, and, and that's the thing too, when you just said that, it's like, that's always what I think of too with certain things. Because when I used to work at the restaurant, I would see, like, I'm the one saying like, hey, you guys ready to order yet? And I would see people go to the things that are familiar and they're not going to order the thing with the sauce that they can't pronounce or they're not, they they don't even want to ask the server a question. And I feel like I, you know, I'm not an intimidating server that's like, you guys ready? You know, it's like, yeah, (laughs) like, so I, I feel like I have a good gauge of what is intimidating to people also. And then what could just help you? Like, I don't know. Like, I just want to make it um, accessible, like you said, but from, you know, a kid from like your five-year-old kind of getting lost in this book and maybe just being like, Ooh, I saw that the other day at the market. Like, can we buy that and cook it? And then instead of, you know, the parent being like, yeah, I don't know how to work with that. Maybe then it just becomes this thing where it's like, yeah, let's bring it home. And then maybe you look up more, maybe you watch a video on it because I think, you know, a lot of these things in the book too, they could have whole books written about coffee or chocolate or, you know, these fruits and vegetables. It's like, but this is the, the you know, stripped down, one page. Let me give it to you. It's the gateway drug to foods you never knew that you would love. That's what I feel like yeah, and- it is. But it is that. I think what's amazing is what what I'm trying to underscore isn't 
this is what you should do with your illustration. I'm saying whatever type of creator you are, coming to terms with what is the tangible value that you're able to produce by your particular skill set. And and I really think that you've you've hit a chord where your friendly, fun, funny, cute, energetic illustration is really good at making information that seems intimidating not. And that is a that's a real skill. And it's and it's been and it's been great to follow you too because you do this also when you're just cooking and stuff on Instagram. And I am always seeing foods that I'm like, I would never touch that food. <laughs> if I saw that at the grocery store, I'd be like, I don't know what that is. I'm never I'm never touching it. I don't because we have this thing of like I don't want to get it wrong or or whatever, or I don't want to learn or whatever it is. And I feel like this book and your illustration practice is really great at eliminating those barriers in a friendly, unintimidating way. That's so nice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, we never uh, finished talking about this, but I was just going to say, I never finished my 100-day project because I got a book deal in the middle and they were like, stop posting. So I'm not a quitter, everybody. (laughs) I felt like everybody on the Instagram was going to be like, what happened to this project? You just gave it up. And then it's like, Boop, surprise, it's a book. But so I just yeah. want to put that out there on the air, get it finalized. Okay, okay. I've had a similar, I've had similar experiences too, where I had a big project and I started it and then whatever. But you heard it here. <laughs> Stacy Michelson is not a quitter. Nope. That's where we're going to end the show. She went to the finish line with this book. It's gorgeous. Go check it out. Eat this book. There it is. Get it wherever books are sold. Thanks, Stacy, for being on the show. <laughs> I really, this is great. This is super fun. This was awesome. I could talk to you for five hours. So next time you come to LA, we'll have a long meal and I'll cook you all those things that are scary to you. Okay. Massive thanks to my friend, my buddy, Stacy Michelson. Uh, huge thanks to Stacy for getting a, an amazing spot for me and Abby Jacobson to do our episode last year. Was it last year? I don't know. It might have been 17 years ago. Uh, go check out Stacy's work on her Instagram, Stacy Michelson, M I C H E L S O N, illustrated food journalism for the Los Angeles Times, BBC, KCRW, all a bunch of stuff. Plus, she's got a new book. Eat this book. Find it wherever books are sold. You're going to love it. It is a foodie gift win. People who like food will like the book, I think. It's got, and I mean, honestly, it's packed full. It is a thick book, fully illustrated, tons of fun facts that you've never known. Become a food expert to you and your friends, just like, how do you know all this? Well, Stacy Michelson told me. Go check it out. She she is fantastic. I love what she does. And, and I feel like her story is such a good example of what happens when you get strategic with your side projects and you really infuse them with who you are. Thanks, Stacy.
Creative Pep Talk is part of the Co-Loop Podcast Network. Co-Loop is a network of creative podcasts designed to fuel your creativity. Make sure you never miss an episode. Sign up to our newsletter at creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter. You'll receive an email, an email each week with a new episode. I don't know. Is it Australian? A new episode. You'll receive an email each week when a new episode airs, plus a welcome email that will give you exclusive access to the old episodes, which I get so many questions about. Episodes 1 to 199. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Shout out to Alex Sugg for our Creative Pep Talk soundtrack. Thanks to Sophie Pizza and Ryan Appleton for content assistance. Massive thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing the show so beautifully. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Till we speak again, stay pepped up oh and i thought we could play this episode out actually ryan had the idea um <laughs> with stacy's song not stacy's mom St- not that song stacy's song that she sang um in the microphone with her permission uh, we're playing it here when i was going to get a drink in the middle of the interview bye stay pepped up Mm-hmm.